my name is Lee. This episode, we're discussing the footprint colonization has in the U.S. film industry. Across the U.S., film production companies try to meet the demand for diversities by hiring black or brown talent. With help from their all-white production crew, white creatives gather the experience of non-white folks and present them through their Eurocentric lens. It is here that problems arise because of what's considered respectful and disrespectful will always differ if the creatives involved aren't immersed in or from the community they want to exhibit. Issues can appear in any form of social justice on the set or the films themselves may uphold racial stereotypes. The cogs we got here today are Jonah, Portia, and Ali. And guess what? Straight out of the film industry and pineapple, meet our guest, Daniel. (laughs) Hey, Daniel. What's good, y'all? Hey. Hey. Nice to officially meet you. Yo, for real. Wherever you are, I can't see you, but I can feel you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Ali's actually in Cali. Um, So, you know, I I guess they kind of have like a whole brush fire situation out there. Yo, how you doing? Dude, it's been a... It's been pretty wild. Every day you go outside and the sun is just covered up by smoke and everything's red. <laughs> Feels like the apocalypse. <laughs> it's all red all the time. That's wild. Yeah, the apocalypse. I mean, Daniel was just telling us uh, the situation in Florida. I was yeah. yeah. Now, Florida is like, there's like palm trees that are like pretty much like the the water's hitting the the palms it's like crazy in no, florida right now wait where in florida are you oh i, I mean i'm not in, like i'm from I, I spent a lot of time in florida but i'm from florida too whoa oh no another floridian <laughs> <laughs> yo wait what part there's there's two different parts of florida what part of florida you from? I'm, I'm, from, I'm from south florida i'm from uh, melbourne so central florida oh my i've been there before y'all are crazy over there <laughs> yeah. oh dude yeah y'all go mudding <laughs> do you I know they do go mudding there, dude. Someone just posted today and it said, if you're sick, wear a mask. If you're thick, come here. There's <laughs> <laughs> a sticker on your car. And I was like, what the wow. fuck? Wow. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not in Florida anymore. I thought it was so Florida funny. Florida antics. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, hold on. I'm getting an important phone call, so I'll be right back. You guys continue with that. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Just, just want to make sure. Oh, that sucks because I was just about to ask, what are you guys drinking? <laughs> I know. We're about to do the what are we drinking yeah. segment. Come on. Coke and vodka for me. Yeah. Oh. Vodka. Straight from the bottle. <laughs> Bojack Horseman style. Yeah, you got to take the mitigator off right. of, the, of the vodka bottle. Yeah. I say we do it in Florida. We just take the t- take the little thing that slows down the, the, the pour. Oh, yes. And you just pour it right you down your gullet. It. Yes. Oh Those God. gallons. <laughs> um... So right now we're drinking uh, Hudson Baby Bourbon whiskey on the rocks. Uh, Daniel, what's your take on that? How's it taste? Yo, it tastes. You know, my my palate is pretty terrible, <laughs> but I can say that it feels it, it goes down smooth. Nice. I like it honestly. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it's not that at all. Uh. I mean, I mix mine with a little leftover white claw. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is just oh god. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Jonah, are you drinking anything? Uh, yeah, I'm actually drinking here a cup of H2O, um, and I'm going to say oh, it also nice. distilled, Dis- distilled or straight from the tap, straight from the tap. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, refined, classy, classy, <laughs> classy. Um, so I guess we can move on to the next subject. Uh, today we're featuring an awesome YouTube gaming channel called Dace Solo. He's a very good friend of mine's. The host is... Uh, friend Danny, not Daniel. It's also yeah, another Danny that yeah. we know actually that does a YouTube There's channel. Dozens of us. <laughs> and um, he's a Let's Player. Uh, currently, he's playing a newly released Samurai Jack uh, Battle Through Time. Yeah. It actually was pretty interesting to watch him play it uh, because he had mentioned Afro Samurai, the game that came out. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be next level. And I turned to come to find out he said it was trash. So now I'm quoting <laughs> oh, him. No. I'm quoting him on that. So if people want to drag him, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> Make sure you check out Day Solo on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Daniel, uh, you had a question. You had a couple. Yeah, just you. you know, we wanted to start off with like you know, how do you express your creativity? You know, where did you get started in the field? That kind of thing. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, like when I was a kid, I, you know, you wanna, you got a lot of things you on your mind as a kid. A lot of things you're trying to find answers to, and I feel like I always try to make sense of the world through movies Mm. so even in real life i would look around and be like oh it's almost like a movie 
And it's almost like a way to distance yourself from things. Like my mom was yelling at me once and I was like, this is so cinematic. It's all I could think about. (laughs) Yeah, it was really weird. Like it's like how I disassociate from reality, but also how I find truth in it. Mm -hmm. So I always wanted to be in film, always wanted to make movies. And so I went to college for it, very excited. And then then I realized what the industry actually is. And everything is a lie. That's, that's, <laughs> see, that's the hardest part too i think personally with me like because i had went to school for film uh-huh. and just knowing what could potentially happen on set and it was just like we're just students playing around we're not even in the serious like you know uh-huh. and they give you that like elective to do that and then you're like oh my god imagine when you're doing this in the real industry right. working with actual people action yeah it's just, it's very stressful i honestly i think that's why i kind of broke away from it because i was like mm. It's so many different walks of life and so many different dynamics. And then, like, having people, like, you know, not have the right communication, you know, it can always be a problem. Like, that was one of the things that, like, actually scared me when I was in college. All right. And then, like, the profit motive is always, like, is what really what killed me is, like, I thought, what I thought when I got into the industry, or even before I did, I thought it was going to be, like, hey, Daniel, I got this incredible idea for a movie. I've been writing this since I was six years old. Yeah. It's a passion project. <laughs> and then turns out it's actually, oh, hey, uh, it's another procedural cop drama, uh-huh. a propaganda for law enforcement. Uh, this is the fourth season of this fucking series yeah. oh where we're God. showing cops being the good guys. Uh, we're actually a propaganda arm. Uh, of the United States. Brooklyn uh, Welcome on board. Hello. So, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Um. This reminds me of like, uh, I literally was just watching Angel Eyes, like the movie with Jennifer um, Lopez and uh, Terrence Howard and stuff. And it's a cop movie, oh, isn't it? Oh, great. But um, there's a scene where um, a bunch of officers are sitting in a diner and, you know, these black men do a drive by it and shoot up the diner. And of course, I hope um, J-Lo, J-Lo and Terrence <laughs> make it. <laughs> and so they're chasing after the perps. That they, um, they get into a car crash immediately. And so now they're on foot. And Action. They're, yeah, there's a scene where there's a there's a moment in the scene when Terrence Howard is close enough to grab like the person by the collar. Uh-huh. And so he reaches out to do so. And I'm like, never. Like, uh-huh. he, they would have been pulled out their guns. Like, right, 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 right. <laughs> like, the only person in the movie, the only person that was shooting was the perp. Like, of course. Yeah, it was. Because in these things, the police are always the heroes mm-hmm. to the point where this is, like, actually, like, funded by, like, the CIA to, like, mm-hmm. like, whenever you use, like, police cars, mm-hmm. you need a, um, you need a person on set that's kind of, like, um, I forgot what they call it, but like you need somebody from the police department or from the military if you're using like if it's an army movie mm-hmm. or from the CIFBI to be on set to tell you what's accurate. That's wow. crazy. But when they say accurate, they mean actually silencing your narrative I to see. keep a, a very, you know, That's... very structured idea of what law enforcement is. It's to help and serve the community and the right. people, oh, blah, blah, blah. So it's very much That's so interesting. Public, um... Yeah, like it's really it, it, it also like I it's not even it's like so many different facets of media do that like in video games for example mm-hmm. and this may be the same oh. thing for movies where they have to pay a premium to put the right gun or some shit like that like the assault rifle <laughs> mark blah 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 has to you know uh, an official mm-hmm. from the company has to come and make sure there's a certain standard being met and they pay premiums right. to this gun manufacturer and like I imagine there's something similar going on with like movies and shit Wow, they're so connected. Yeah, yeah. so crazy. Yeah, yeah I don't know. definitely. Um, the people that are controlling this narrative um, haven't been doing all they can to, you know, if they're let's say they're quote unquote accurately representing police officers, they're definitely not trying to do that when it comes to black and brown stories mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trying to make sure that you know they consult with people. I mean, half of the mistakes that these company makes, these company makes like um, in their advertising or things that you know get bad backlash they never really have a person of color on set that mm-hmm. could have been like hey what you're doing is wild like, <laughs> <laughs> like exactly. um right. jonah when jonah talked about um the cards against oh, humanities uh cards against humanity you know, where the guy yeah if you want to interrupt me with better details uh well but, uh, yeah i mean uh from what I remember, so 
I don't know if you heard about this too, Daniel, where there's um, one of the writers for Cards Against Humanity. Uh, and I'm kind of breaking up, so let me know if you hear me. Um, okay. So one of the, there's a writer for Cards Against Humanity that was uh, fighting against this uh, potential card with the N-word in it. Um, and I forgot, like, a little background, he's the only black person in the whole, like, organization. Um, so the whole scenario, long story short, almost felt like he was just being tokenized and it was like, here, can you just approve this? Um, right. And he fought it and he fought it. He was, like, very open. He was, like, matter of fact. And was like, um, can, you know, can I get a justification for this? And he'll, like, explain mm. that to me. Uh, long story short, he is sent to a, uh, like, a mental health clinic. And what? Yeah, it's it sounds like yeah. that happened recently. Like, and it sounds bizarre, um, and it sounds like it I'm does. exaggerating, yeah. but it, I'm I'm probably leaving that a lot in fact. Yeah, because I'm like the the sorry like the process from saying no, you shouldn't use that word to being in a in a, in a mental institution. Well, also like some things like they 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 use the fact that he was quote unquote being aggressive, um, quote unquote. You know the exactly. typical stuff. They they basically gaslit him is what you were saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's nothing new. I mean, like if you want to break mm-hmm. into here about you know sibling films and all that. Right. Well, I really hope they don't put me away. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> Very much. A I mean, because I am I am indeed popping off aggressively, yeah. um, <laughs> and I will not stop. But yeah, so it was my it was like my honestly it was my second job back since the beginning of the pandemic and the first job i had actually was also had a racial element to it that made me very uncomfortable um the dude this it was off hours offset this dude was like who i was working with he was uh, also in the camera department mm-hmm. he said that he'd never go to india or africa because it's full of rapists what? and life what? is cheap over there what? so i corrected him by telling him off and then we're having a a battle and i was like damn and then i had to work with them for three more days wow. so and it was like how, how can this kind of narrative or this rhetoric be so prevalent at a time like this you know mm-hmm. so yeah. i was already had i really had, was really put off by being back to work because mm-hmm. you know i think everyone's consciousness has been raised in this time mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. so this post george floyd world right yeah. mm-hmm. it's much it's much more like yo i'm on edge like i'm looking out i'm looking yeah. for the allies looking for enemies yeah Absolutely. for sure yeah so then I get on this second job and already off the jump, I'm annoyed. There's an all white cast. Oh, sorry. All white crew, um, except for two of us. And then maybe a, a third who was a, a production assistant. Um, it's a commercial. It's a car commercial. And lo and behold, the talent is black. Not surprising because they use our image at every every chance that they have because our image sells. It's just exactly. so... So already I'm annoyed because we're in a, like a black and brown area in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and every every time I'm on set and we're in a black and brown neighborhood, it feels like we're colonizing it. It feels uh, like we're occupying force. We go there. We have police. We have a, literally a police escort. Really? Yeah. Wow. They use police a lot on sets. Like even when I've worked on procedural cop dramas and we go into like a black neighborhood, mm-hmm. we have police. And we have and everyone's like, make sure you lock up the doors. Like it's like it's. Oh, my gosh. It, wow hits really and i remember all these incidences are burned into my memory you know so on this job we're in a black brown neighborhood following a a, a car and we even go over i guess and it's a white female director directing Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. looking out the windows like we're at the zoo i could just feel their energy i don't like their energy Mm. and we drive over a black lives matter mural and they're like oh make sure you get that and it's actually in the commercial Really? Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's wow. right. And like we're so we're shooting then we're shooting outside and the police are literally pushing people back into their homes. To like to cuz usually you have production assistants who are like they're like the interns of of set. They're treated very poorly and unfairly mm. and they are supposed to like, you know, hold people mm. to make sure they don't get in the shot. I see. So like an I Am Legend, for instance, they had like thousands of PAs locking up like Times Square. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. right. But on this job, we had 
um, we had this police officer who's literally like aggressively going to people and being like, go back inside your house. We can film mm -hmm. this thing. So I, I'm off put by all this stuff going on. Then we go and we shoot this scene. The director, this white Danish woman, mm -hmm. puts on a rap song, okay. puts on Roddy Rich. And the black talent is dancing to it. Uh -huh. And the white director's singing along to the song. Oh, and she says the word. She says the N word. And first thing I hear is my coworker say, What the fuck? Oh. That's the first thing I heard. And then I processed what was said. Right. And instantly, like, I'm seeing red because of what's happened previously and what's happening historically in the world. Right. Yes. Like, so much. There's just so much packed into this little moment. Exactly. And after that, I was like, you know, try to remain professional, mm -hmm. breathe, mm -hmm. and try to just like finish the job. Um, but I didn't get an apology that day. All I all I heard that day from 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 the director was, uh, I don't want to be that person. Huh? Which is what, what? Be that person. What does that mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? Yeah. You literally. Oh, I don't, is it? I don't yeah. want to be that person that tells you like to not say anything, to hush down. Is that what is? No, it was. It was like I don't want to be that person. Meaning like, oh, like I don't want to be that person that says the n word. But you were that person. Yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't not. You can. You can't not be like. You can't. It's not magical. Like you can't. <sighs> right. You get Snatch it back from the air. You, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> so Damn. that happened. And the rest of the day, the whole white crew will come to me, hush, and be like, um, I'm really sorry that happened. I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, and then, uh, 10 minutes later, they're like chopping it up with the white director that said it. Like, see. you know what I mean? Yeah. So that really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, And then a couple of days passed and you know i was like i was thinking about you know dragging her ass on instagram i was like <laughs> i was mulling it over like do i really want that because i know it's a it's not just gonna be a, like if i'm gonna drag her i'm gonna have to drag her like yeah, across yeah. the country like, i'm gonna have to do a tour like <laughs> yeah. i have to go on tour to drag her no, yeah, that's for sure absolutely. and i decided to do it <laughs> Which, like, can we insert oh. applause here? Yes, we will insert you applause know, right then and there at the risk i mean they fuck with the wrong one on this one. Yeah. Because yeah. I got nothing to lose. They really fuck with the wrong one. Yeah. No, that, yeah. that's amazing. Like, I get it. Like, can I, I have kids? Like, can I ask you, like, what was the, yeah. what was the tipping point where you were like, I don't want to say drag because you, I don't think you dragged. It was more like you were taking a stand more than anything and just be like, no. Right. What was the tipping point? Right. I mean, yeah, I, want, I wanted to really hold the industry accountable because after the pan, like, for me, in a time like this, right, we are really being tested onto how much we're willing to tolerate. Mm. This is yeah. this is the time to really wow. to really show ourselves and show what we're willing to stand up for. So, I find it really important that when a time where everybody's saying Black Lives Matter, everybody's saying it. Even yeah. Sandra said it. Sandra said it. Yeah. Siblings Film said it. Yeah, you know that we actually hold their feet to the fire when they are not be not being accountable to what the words that they say yeah. that's true and and i know a lot of people in the industry that like me are struggling with the same things so what, what i'm really like for me it's not even just about sandra like it's not really it's not even about the director mm -hmm. like although they did a terrible job apologizing they actually didn't even apologize to me and they're not being they're not holding themselves accountable for me this is an issue that that situation the fact that that situation could happen mm -hmm. the fact that the, the power dynamics are allowing for an all-white production company mm -hmm. and a white director right. to tell our stories mm -hmm. and for me to be a secondary figure in my own in, in our story mm -hmm. uh is the real problem right. and it's not going to change until we literally do not allow all white production companies exactly. to profit off of our narratives and our face and honestly that just kind of like grinds my gears a little bit <laughs> i don't want to say that because I, I think about how some people have their how they have their finger in like almost every pot mm -hmm. and like this goes back to us talking about going to hr and how mm. hr sometimes has their best interest in the company instead of having their yep. interest in the workers and then having that situation take place um i found out recently that like there's a company that um i'm neighboring where like basically the company that works next to the company that i work for mm -hmm. has a union the people who run the union, the people who run the property, 
are white. And then you got to think about the fact that their union is ran by white people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they are aligned with the union that helps the, the working class. So if you think about that, like it comes around full circle where they're protected. They're protected almost all the time mm-hmm. because they scream for the people that are going to fight for us. You know what I'm saying? Mm, and that's, right. I mean, that's the, the end. Like, so I'm, I'm in the camera union mm-hmm. and in our union, it's a 70% white male union. Exactly. So, you know, they're not fighting. They want they don't want to fight for Medicare for all mm-hmm. because they can keep us on the hook paying dues because our, um, our health insurance is dependent on us working and paying dues. Mm-hmm. You know, they also, they, Oh my God, New York is full of just making propaganda. Like honestly, like, Every almost every show in New York is a procedural cop drama. Mm. Yeah. So that's like, true. I've been on a lot of Law and Order sets. Is this yeah, as an extra? Oh really? But I've only ever shot like in the city. I've never done like. I hope oh. you got that crafty. I hope you took all that all that oh, you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no principal roles, <laughs> all background, but yes, yeah. <laughs> took from the table. Yeah. Yeah. Sets, but anyway, um, yeah, there's a, a lot of propaganda um, mm-hmm. going on in the city. What, right. so what so would you say if? If I can ask a question real quick, what would you, because I know like pretty much every person of color, every like career trans person of color, like everyone that's marginalized has experienced a situation where they had to make a choice of like, I know this is fucked up, but what are the risks? And they had to like weigh all these, all these uh, scenarios, like, and you took, you know, this decisive decision. What, what would you say to people who are, currently experiencing something like that like what would what would your advice be to them you got nothing to lose but your chains yo like what do you have to gain that's my that's my thing is like if if we know if we understand if we're afraid to speak up at this time at a time where black lives are at and and the biggest threat like i mean even in even ice like ice right now 44 percent of the people in detainment are haitian like this like like we're black and like we're at risk and we're like that our lives are in danger that if we're not if we realize we're not even willing to speak up because we're afraid to lose our employment that must mean the problem is bigger than what we're even giving it allowance oh, yeah. that if we have a position on the white supremacy what position is that really um now once again i feel like i am privileged because i'm single i'm i'm a male like i'm so it's like I feel like I do have a sense of privilege and I also don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care if I lose everything. I don't care if I never get hired again because (laughs) you can't fall out of bed if you sleep on the ground and I'm ready to Mm. sleep on the ground. So I understand people fearing, um, fearing losing. I don't know what they, honestly, I don't know what they're losing. They don't own it. We don't own anything. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like we really don't. I know. I I liked how you called for uh, on your Instagram, like, um, you were speaking to particularly black people and just being like, this is our time to be about what we say we're about, mm-hmm. unite and, you know, build our own shit together mm-hmm. because it's it's true. I mean, that's what like uh, to like right here in Brooklyn, that's what Jewish people are doing in terms of like real estate right. and the businesses and the, the doctor's offices, the dentist's offices and stuff like that. So like, why aren't we trying to own things in our neighborhood? You know, like Daniel said, it's like, what do we own? So then, if you don't own anything, you know what are you afraid to lose? Right, and burn it all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yo, I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I totally agree. <laughs> uh, it's just like, and it, it's it's hard because it's like the capital is in the hands of white supremacy. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna also we're not gonna win by just trying to like be capitalists like they are. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and what we see is like you know you know what sibling is gonna sibling the production company uh, that was on the that that got this job and hired Sandra um, they are going to try hiring a white director mm-hmm. and trying to brush this whole because this thing is I mean like I'm, I'm, I'm almost TikTok famous you know like, oh, nice. <laughs> like like it got it got 13,000 likes on yeah, TikTok that's crazy like Man, I love it I'm trying to get it hit on Twitter like I'm not stopping mm-hmm. sibling has already tried to um, try to like um fix this by putting out a not apologizing not even acknowledging what happened mm-hmm. but by putting out a we're going to have to, oh my god get this some oh gaslighting 20 percent 
black employees by 2021. That is way too far. The like, fuck y'all talk about? And like, yeah. my question was like, what, how large is their organization to start with? Like, what does that even yeah. mean? You know, like, what is twenty yeah, percent of mean? what a hundred people? That... <laughs> exactly. And it's not, it's not, it's it, pe- it's people of color. So what does that also mean? Like, what's approximated to whiteness? And like, it's such like a non-statement. Yes. Yeah, and it's also like, yo, like, not honestly, like, not all skin folk is skin folk. Like, I'm not, yes. gonna, I'm not gonna be happy that you hired twenty percent coons like if yeah. you are 20 percent coons like that makes no difference it to me exactly. <laughs> there's really yeah, no really. there's, no, there's no win-win situation and they hired they hired uh they contracted an hr person mm. to, really? to address the situation um and i think they were a black woman okay because okay. you know but that's what they do like yeah like let's get know. one of your own to talk to you right yeah. let me i know how to talk to the negroes i'm yeah. I, i'm a, i was a negro at birth yeah. oh my <laughs> god yeah. but i was a negro at birth that's <laughs> right. fine exactly. yeah. so it's like you know they come in like and i was saying like you don't want accountability you're trying to mitigate the damage that's mm-hmm. done to them already exactly. like you really aren't like the way that human resources put it to me was i'm going to collect all the stories from all like all the events from, <laughs> of, from people's perspectives and then i'm going to present a plan of action to right. sibling uh, it's like no so that's not how accountability is going to work mm-hmm. i was one that was harmed mm-hmm. i'm coming for y'all i'm coming for sibling directly i, f- right. I feel like <laughs> so i feel like that just demonstrates how like how thin the playbook is because i feel like cops do that shit too like if you notice in the new york protests they will always put uh, Latinx and black cops mm. in front of like as a barrier between the white cops. I found it so right. like it's so blatant, and I'm like, what the hell? It's so it's such a thin playbook, and you see it in every single like facet of the system. Yeah, I like how you call the playbook thin. It is yeah. 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 because because at the same time, it's like I've seen it myself. I've drove I've driven through the Bronx, uh, Washington Heights, and I see nothing but black and Hispanic cops mm. trying to defuse situations. Yeah. And on top of that too is that sometimes if you're if you're a black officer you have to be twice as brutal. Yeah. Mm. You really got to prove yourself. Like if you're trying to operate in a white supremacist field, mm-hmm. you got to show the white supremacists you can be one too. Like I bleed exactly. blue, kind of like yeah. yeah. That's- um. So the questions that all white people in positions of power have to be asking themselves is, why do I feel the need to tell this story? Am I really the best person to tell the story? And do I have the authority to tell a story? that I have no experience with. Um, I seen something trending right now with Mulan mm. and how Mulan. I was gonna say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So take it away, what you want yes. to say. I want to I wanna no, hear it. I mean, I don't really know much about, about it, probably the more than you do, just the fact that like, people are really connecting the dots to what's happening uh, with my incident to mm. what's happening with Mulan. Mm. An all, uh, all white crew, writer, director, producer telling, telling a story that does nothing to do with white people exactly and it's just like so blatant and obvious it's like you know i swear to god if i mean last year it would have been the same scenario but then like scarlett johansson would have played the <laughs> like, they, they, they think they're they think they're advancing yeah like they really think that they're like oh okay we got it now so we, so the cast can't be white okay. all right we, we got you we got you. you yes we're gonna still be white behind like, nah guess what we're coming for you too behind like we're gonna grab through the lens and yank you the hell out of this whole industry yeah thank you and it's crazy because if there's black people on set usually they're below the line like mm-hmm. they're like they're like for their production assistants you know hey, we're entry level and i'll tell you like it's exhausting i'm in the camera department you know mm-hmm. I, I don't i don't see myself as like better than anybody else because honestly I'm a communist. I think everyone should get paid the same. <laughs> but like, well, for me, it's like I'm on set and someone mistakes me for a production assistant. Mm-hmm. They don't even ask me. It's like they're like, oh, like you uh, like, can you get me a, a walkie? I'm like, yo, I'm not a production assistant. I'm a camera. I'm like literally camera. I was production assistant. <laughs> I am no longer production assistant. You, you assume <laughs> that I am just because I'm black. Mm. Right. You can't you can't even imagine that I'm actually on the crew doing and another I, job. Yeah. So that gets old. But it just it just proves like the ingrained colonial mentality of like mm-hmm. and like the hierarchies and like exactly. just like oh like black people can't be in these positions you can't even you can't even look you look at a black person right in front of you and you can't imagine that they have a position that's equal to yours. It's just like the the con it's like so ingrained like they can't even conceptualize like the idea of having like hiring someone. And putting them in a position of power over you 
to make a movie about their story. It's just like it's so ridiculous. A lot of this shit is so cartoon level. And mm-hmm. can we just like speak about like I guess the I want to say like the outliers as far as like propaganda in media, like movies like Get Out and Sorry to Bother You. Like, what's the role mm-hmm. of those movies? As someone that is yeah, like yes. heavily in the like uh, movie making industry, whatever, what have you. Like, what what's the role of those movies as far as like telling stories that challenge or perhaps you would argue that they don't challenge like some of the conceptions we have? Can you speak on that? For the love of God, get me on one of those sets. <laughs> I, I swear, I could, I mean, if I could work on something that actually means something, I'd be so grateful. Yeah. But it's like, yes. like I mean, Sorry to Bother You to me was a great movie. Yes, um, it was. So good. Like, it really put into... See, like, so... It was triggering for me sometimes. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, no, just, just thinking about the corporate world. And yeah. Like how it works. It's just so... Wow. It's so yeah, yeah. On <laughs> that ladder, yeah, yeah. exactly. Get to the top. Yep. Right. It's so like when you think about what the the question is when entering the workforce is what are you willing to do, mm-hmm. and that's that's the crazy part, right? You know, if you're and, willing to do it all, then then, then we'll shoot you right up to the we'll top. You know, party. Um, oh, real quick, uh, what's your TikTok? Let's, yeah, uh, let's let's let's, let's, uh, let's uh, promote uh, Dave. Uh, <laughs> and can you explain my Instagram? Could you also explain like what your TikTok is about? Oh, I mean, my like, yo, my TikToks are mad political. Like, it's uh, my TikTok uh, is vid flesh, v i d flesh, like a pound of flesh. No, it's not a porn site. <laughs> um, I know it sounds like it. It One was supposed to be play on video drone. Yeah. Like, okay. long live the flesh. Okay. Oh. All right. All right. But when it comes to like, oh, I want to also say that like when you're shooting like a movie, uh, like this system has no problem showing movies that show black suffering mm-hmm. they love it they'll show black what they won't show is us overcoming mm-hmm. or or like actually finding a solution to our problems black joy black prosperity right yeah, black like celebration so mm-hmm. like i like sorry to bother you because it did show like it didn't only show you the problems it mm-hmm. showed you a way out oh they organized they unionized yeah. with horse people and yeah. and had a revolution like yeah. that that's yeah. that's the kind of movies that need to we need to see more of right exactly mm. so that's when the movies come in that's when mm. tv comes in that's why that's why i'm so adamant about this because i understand that i was raised on television i was raised on hannah montana mm. <laughs> yeah. like like white like i my 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 dreams are of or white people are in my dreams yeah. <laughs> from how much i've consumed of white media and commercials like the symbols that we are fed are, it's like, you know everyone that works in film understands the power of images mm-hmm. so to have the have this powerful medium being subjected to re, to not limp to limiting consciousness mm-hmm. is to me such a dangerous threat and but such also could be a liberatory if we take it and we use it like sorry to bother you did exactly yeah. and that's the craziness because it's like we I think just to to just say this like I, I think that's where black magic comes in the word black magic is because we were oppressed and we are now seeing what why and when and where we were oppressed and we're not allowing that it's definitely an obstacle but we are because we were oppressed we are showing that the oppressed us being oppressed will not be held like you know what i'm saying it's almost like, like a resilient like we are so resilient that's where the black magic comes in because mm-hmm. of our resilience and we won't let these things hold us back from seeing the truth and acting on it mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying definitely mm-hmm. i feel like so, I, I, that's just my opinion yeah yeah nah, and it's, it's it's like they can try all they want like i'm reading this book about how europe underdeveloped africa mm-hmm. and they were See? and they were talking about how like you know they wanted to keep Africans as uneducated as possible so they can do manual labor. Mm-hmm. The problem is the the greed and the need for profit mean they had to actually educate Africans a little bit to do some more, like less menial jobs to keep colonialism going. And, right. But in doing that, the thirst for education ultimately thrusted Africans into revolution and, and nationalism because they weren't getting proper education and they knew it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So they started to demand better education. When they got better education, they started to 
they started to realize that they were being hella colonized and there were more bigger ideals to fight for. So like in the system, the system tries its best to try to destroy us, but in trying to destroy us, they actually make us stronger inadvertently. Mm-hmm. Because right. like we're always gonna bend towards liberation. That that's exactly the point. He said it better. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly the point I was trying to make. <laughs> it's Thank you for that, it's <laughs> crazy. It's crazy how like it's that. it's also like it goes beyond just like like the black community has like been on the vanguard on so many issues, like on the very like forefront. And I like in my personal experience, I remember like uh, I come from Argentina and like we came here and my parents were just like trying to lay low and just, you know, behave, quote unquote, whatever. And I remember like there's a lot of things that I was just conditioned to allow happen to us and to me. Um, and it wasn't until like I ran into like specific teachers who were radical, um, who were like teaching in the Newark school system. And I still remember the day where like, my name is spelled in a way where like only in my home country it's spelled like that. But he, when they came here, they told me like, oh, I spelled it wrong. And then there was one teacher that told me like, uh, you cannot let anyone change your name like that. And you cannot let anyone decide for you what this means. Um, and all the teachers in that area in Newark are were black. There's no, there's no white people in general, but there's like no white teachers. Um, and I got like educated on the civil rights and blah, blah, blah. And like all the students there did when I transferred to, uh, when I moved with my parents, with my dad, um, it's, it became, I moved into a more like white suburban area, quote unquote. And there was kids there that had quote unquote, a better education who had like more opportunities, et cetera. But like, they didn't know shit about like the civil rights. They didn't know shit. There's kids like brown kids like me drawing like Nazi signs on their folders. And I'm like, what the hell? I got scared because I was like, I was I knew what that meant. And I'm like, I, I've, I, I one day I like mustered up the courage to ask like my friend who was doing that. I'm like, why are you doing that? Do you know, do you know what that means? And they're like, no, I just think it looks cool. And I'm like, I blew me away. And I was just like shocked, shock after shock after shock of like different little things that were happening. And I'm just like. That's so crazy. And I remember like being surrounded by different teachers and stuff like that who would tell us things like um, we shouldn't allow ourselves, first of all, to be like our, our, we shouldn't allow our destiny to be determined by other people or the world around us. Um, we should be able to like live as we wish, regardless of like our culture, et cetera. They're, like things like this that are like kind of basic to us now, but at the time, to me were like it didn't make sense because like i was taught a certain way and i was taught like i have to be as american as possible even though i wasn't i had to be this or that i mean it wasn't until like i got to encounter people who were teaching me about like these black revolutionaries um like groups like the black panthers and stuff like that where i was like oh people besides white people can decide their future and like fight for it (laughs) and that's okay i didn't know that it's really crazy so i feel like the black community is like it it feels like they're seen as not just like liberators of themselves but also like an example for other groups to be like oh yeah not yeah that's a fact yo because the the most oppressed is like usually the most revolutionary Mm -hmm. and like you know black people are all over the world like we're in latin america we're we're everywhere so and, and everywhere we are usually we're the most oppressed like even like in the middle east i mm-hmm. or I, I feel like i've been hearing like there's african slaves wow. like still to this day that's like wild. present day in syria yeah, present day. that's wild so and, you know and we like we know we're talking about ice like 44 percent haitian it's just like yeah we have the most to gain from from a complete dismantling of the system and and it's it's, it's crazy i know it hits you close i know you're feeling yeah that because uh portia is haitian yeah i was just about to say um, um, um but Haitians are the first people. <laughs> I knew you you were on the that. same page. That's uh, weird. I, I, I was I just was about like, to say that. It's so interesting because I was just being reminded how Haiti is was one of the first islands to, um, you know, seek revolution for themselves mm-hmm. and free themselves. And and to be honest, even though I am Haitian, I was born here, 
and you know all my education is from here i didn't i didn't know that i didn't learn that until college i had no idea um which i'm um, haitians are always proud so (laughs) i i knew that there was like a yeah of course rightfully so well I don't know. Sometimes it's a little toxic. <laughs> I love my people, but like I I'm Dominican. So. Oh, okay. See, so you're right. Yeah, you get it. Like, um, and that's a whole other debate. Well, I'm black. All right, it's let's just, let's get this yeah, straight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's what I'm confused. I, yeah, no, right, right, I agree. Right, right, black right. as well. Um, but it's just it's just interesting because now you turn around and you know the friend the France, well, the France. The French, which we call it, made so much money off of Haiti, made so much yeah, money off of Haiti, only to turn around when they got their freedom, only to turn around and act, um, France turned around and asked for their money back. So now Haiti's yeah. in, in this major debt trying to pay it back. And in present day, it's still one of the poorest countries, uh, at least on this side of the world. Like, I don't know about the other hemispheres, but it, it's insane. Yeah, and I think they finally paid it off, but it was like, a long it was a crazy payments and it's yeah. just like and like the fact like to bring it back to like movies like the story of Toussaint is amazing yes why yeah. the if if we really were not trying to hush hush the you know get in people's minds and kind of raise consciousness we would have been had a Toussaint movie mm-hmm. that's an really amazing was. story mm-hmm. it's incredible there's some stuff that we wanted to talk about with uh people uh whitewash I wouldn't I want to say whitewashing because there's stories like Pocahontas Mm, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And we had that recently um, where... A uh, case of, like, well-intentioned white people trying to um, share a, a real historical mm-hmm. story. Right. Um, and I guess clean it up for kids, but then at the same time, um, completely, uh, I guess like you said, whitewash or just, like, spray this perfume over such there a horrible go. story. Right. Yes. Like, um... Pocahontas. Do you want to get into it? Yeah, or? you can. You can. You brought it. Right, so you I brought it up. <laughs> um, no. Uh, yeah, I was talking about. I brought up Pocahontas because, like, it was a retelling of an actual historic event. Thanks to our uh, creative interns, they kind of like. Yes. Uh, they they de- shout out to you guys. You guys are amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> you guys chipped in with this episode with kind of like reaching out. Uh, and one of the articles we found interesting was that Pocahontas was a retelling of an actual historical event, except Disney changed a few things, like making Pocahontas almost 20 instead of 10, made the story made the story a love story, and in the second movie had her go to England willingly to see John Smith instead of her being kidnapped, shown around as a civilized savage, and died of the disease at age 22. Minor, minor changes. Yeah, <laughs> minor changes, right? Just, just minor changes. Disney needs to go, yo. Exactly. Um, and then even on, um, like, uh, if we're staying on the topic of Disney movies, even going past um, Pocahontas, to movies like Moana where they actually did the research and they were more inclusive and reached out to... Polynesian and Samoan historians and different anthropologists, all that, to talk about, you know, customs so that they could include it in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, only to, you know, they had, the movie ended up having controversy surrounding the costumes and Maui's tattoos. Um, uh, they, they were, they're supposed to be like sacredly earned. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't even remember the, the way Disney told it, but it was just, it didn't fully represent the Polynesian how Polynesian culture uses tattoos, right. um, and it kind of presented it as a costume mm. more than um, telling the story behind it. So it, it's just and, and culture is not a costume. Let's just yeah. say that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. True. Definitely had to so many times this year like take a, into account my own mental like health. Mm-hmm. and just take put whether that's taking a break from social media or like you know going for a walk with my mask on or something or you know lighting up mm-hmm. <laughs> drink like yo is you i feel so on edge i don't even watch like videos of police brutality anymore um i don't know if that makes me a sellout but i can't mm. i don't think it's normal to be watching black people get murdered on film um Yes, I will share, you know, their stories. I'll donate to them, of course, their families. But, yeah, just the, the visual image of our bodies being attacked on the daily, whether it's our mm-hmm. black men, our black women, you know, 
with, with an ex. Trans women yes, too. yes, our transgender, you know, our non-binary family. Like, mm-hmm. it's wild out here, yeah. and I know it's always been like this. It's just now that it's being filmed, um, it's more prevalent. But to me, the constant attack on your psyche is like not normal. Yeah, and for it to be monetized too is really haunting. Like, mm-hmm. just the fact that, like, Absolutely. you know, I I can't believe that when I'm when I'm actually going to watch one of those videos of us being murdered or attacked, I'm hit with a fucking advertisement. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. like it actually <laughs> is haunting. Yes. Because even even in death and in suffering, we are being exploited. Oh my god! Exactly. I have to mention this. Um, Ali oh, had recommended shit. a show to us called The Social Dilemma on Netflix, mm-hmm. which kind of shows how they try to monetize every single thing. I heard about is, this show. Yeah, it is. It, it tries to monetize every single thing. Even sending an email is somewhat monetized at some point. Wow. Um, they try to get into it, like how email can be addictive. But how can they? How can? I'm not trying to um, necessarily come for Google, but how Google can make money off of it, like yeah. they break it down. Potential, potential ad revenue. Yeah, exactly. There's like literally potential revenue in almost everything. And the fact that we have to watch uh, these videos of black people being killed, um, it it just goes back to how can they make more money off of uh, advertising these things. And we can also go into the fact that they're making money off of it as we speak. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know, with the uh, jewelry they're selling. Mm Go ahead. I know, Portia, you wanted to, like, talk about this a little bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it was brought up to me by a creative intern also. Um, I'll just keep promoting you guys. You're the best. Yeah, yes. you guys are the best. Love Thank you, you guys. Um, so a Charleston couple, Paul uh, C. Helmus and Jeng Women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I <laughs> know. Wen, um, thought that selling jewelry pieces with the names of victims of produ- police brutality to remind people that we're living... Uh, that we are living history now, they face backlash for obvious reasons. Oh, yeah. Um, they had a necklace called the Brianna going for $240. And a pair of earrings called the Trayvon Martin oh, going God. for $45. I'm going to... That's so funny. Oh, my God, yo. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like... It's so obvious to me. Like, there are white allies. I know there are. I know maybe... I know one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> one out of the ten yeah. whatever but it's just like y'all really are so blatant and obvious that it's just like mm-hmm. that's why it's how I feel like when I'm on set it's just like I'm looking at y'all mm-hmm. and I really know you're not trying to tell our story mm-hmm. yeah exactly you're really not exactly. and nor do you even have any clue like it's it's for profit motives mm-hmm. or it's just to blend in like mm-hmm. you know even like in, in South Africa during apartheid it's like you have like the misleadership like you have white people being like, "Oh, I want to stop apartheid too," mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, but what the, all they do is talk about it, mm-hmm. and like they'll have picnics where they discuss it. But the- never will they actually take the actions necessary, or nor can they. Like white people really can't be part of black liberation. They yeah. they sh- they can't imagine it. Right. Yeah. They can't exactly. see it. Right. And anything that is that gets close to it feels like a threat to their whiteness. Right. And it's like mm-hmm. decentering of white folks. Exactly. I don't know. I I was. It reminds me of a post I saw on social media that was like, white people keep waiting for this black rage, you know, where we're going to, like, come Hmm. up in arms and, like, take them all down or something or or do some kind of payback, quote unquote. But that's not going to happen. That's not who we are. We're just trying to we need a we demand that our lives matter, that we have a space to tell our stories and that we can just have the same access to freaking life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. Like, exactly. like, that's basically it, bro. Like, fair shot. Just trying to live, like, right. come on. Yeah. But yeah, under the system, like, you can't have, they can't be, I mean, because, like, white people are oppressed, too. That's the thing that makes me laugh so much is that they're, they're actually oppressed, and they don't think they are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, y'all really have a stake in the game too mm-hmm. like like black people maybe we have 20 30 more years but y'all and y'all maybe have 40 mm-hmm. but y- y- I, I mean not to get all dystopian mm-hmm. <laughs> but like right, right, right. i mean the comp the you know the silicon valley ceos do not have a garden of eden built for anybody <laughs> yeah, there's no garden they're not building a garden of eden, eden for none of us yeah, right. they don't exactly. give a damn <laughs> no, <I laughs> <don't> <laughs> It reminds me of Dave Chappelle when he was talking about, when he was saying 
I think in his stand up that he saw these li- in in Ohio he saw these lines of voters for Trump and it was all like poor white people and he felt so bad because he's like this man you know Trump he's here for, he's there for me like to protect uh, my interests yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? right. and I found that so funny because it shows about the money at the end of the day yeah when it yeah. comes to those people yeah. and it goes into like a classist thing yeah yeah socioeconomic I just feel I feel like it's just like part of that thin playbook it's just like make poor white people feel like black and brown people are the problem so like they'll vote for you if you promise like you're just going to make black and brown people's lives a little harder and yours a little better by making them harder but then your your monetary situation is not going to change though but that's okay because you don't care you just want black and brown people to suffer a little more why did you start pineapple podcast yeah so just going into my like my political awakening yeah actually actually my political awakening is actually tied to the film industry Mm. because i had a two uh i had a hour and a half commute all the way to new jersey to work at a camera rental house for free um so all along the way um i started to get be bored as fuck Mm -hmm. because you know yeah to get into the film industry you have to work at a camera rental house mostly to get like gain learn the equipment and also make the contacts so I would like look in the trash waiting for like the, the New Jersey transit and I would see a newspaper in mm-hmm. the trash. So I'd pick it up, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and then it'd be to the point where I kept on looking for it. Mm-hmm. So then I just subscribe to New York Times and then I'm reading it and I start to realize after a couple months that every story ends with a period. It's, hey, this is an atrocity, period. And another atrocity, period. I'm like, well, then what do we do about it? Yeah. So then I, I went to the protest, but then the annual protest felt like a parade. I'm like, oh. this is, is not it. And then like I'm like voting isn't gonna do a goddamn thing, mm-hmm. so I just started yelling on the subway about how I felt about this thing wow. that I made up a fake group, made called the Echo It's called the Ecumenical Liberation Front, but it's from a movie called Network by Sidney Lumet. Um, and I was trying to like I was going to start to um, get people to come to a meeting where we just talk about the problems and try to figure it out. Um, and then I I went into an organizing 101 course. Some, I saw someone recommended it to me and it was the to me it made so much sense because the way they saw organizing it wasn't like voting is going to do it it was like you the the people have the correct ideas but their ideas are scattered because we're not organized mm. so you go around and you collect the ideas collectively and you make a plan and you present the plan back to the people if the people approve of that plan then you move forward on the ideas and I'm like oh that makes so much sense it turns out that's that, that's a Maoist idea like Mao like kind of came up with the idea of the mass line. So that was my first introduction to communism. Mm. I'm not gonna lie, it wasn't like a quick transition. It was like, yo, what the fuck, communism? I've heard terrible things about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, Absolutely. but then, you know, like when reading more, like someone asked me a very simple question, it really blew my mind. And I, I think it should blow everyone's mind is someone asked me, how can we change things? I said, well, we run for office. And then they just asked me, but when has that ever changed anything? Mm. And I didn't have an answer to it. <laughs> and so right. many people's um, uh, ideas of moving forward is, are so tied to the system, they could more easily imagine the end of the world than they could imagine the end of the U.S. empire. Wow. And it's like, you know, feudalism fell and so will, so will the United States. And yeah. where are we going to be when it does? Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to really explore the ideas. And black people have an, a long tradition of both anarchism and communism. Oh, wow. Like, and there's always been this kind of red scare tied to black liberation because this system has always been afraid that as we strive for freedom we'll also we'll strive for freedom through a communist ideology um and and so there's always been this kind of attempt to strip our relationship with communism historically from our directions forward in in movements And, and we're seeing it we're seeing it even in the protests now is that they're like, oh no, these are Antifa. These are oh, these are yeah. Russians. Mm-hmm. Black people, calm down. Don't worry. We'll protect you from the crazy communists <laughs> trying to change your mind. It's like, yeah. like it's like funny. nah, like you're really bugging. Yeah. yeah. So to go, so the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was after George Floyd, mm-hmm. um, and my mom and I are having more political conversations. The reason pineapple, the word exists between me and my mom, is because, um, whenever she's capped out with a political conversation or mm-hmm. safe word is pineapple. Oh. So she's like, if I'm talking about how Obama sucks, mm-hmm. um, my mom loves Obama. 
Uh, she can't take it. She her brain short circuits. She just says pineapple, and I have to stop. Oh. Okay, okay. So, like that. so cute. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. That so, bro- that breaks my heart too, though. I'm not gonna lie. The Recently, Obama. figure out that Obama is not the uh, symbol of change that I thought he was gonna be. You're gonna be all right. You know, it's yeah. it's hard for everybody. It was hard yeah. for me too. <laughs> it's like, yeah. but once you let that go. The wor- whole world opens up to you. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, it, it, it's just because as uh, movies go, we've been taught to like rely on one person. That's true. Yes. And, and, and that's the problem. Yes. Wow. You know? Even in history, like history books, mm-hmm. it's like Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves and yeah. the world. It's like, <laughs> yes. exactly. nah, Wait, hi- history no. <laughs> is, a, is a movement of the people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. People move history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Ooh, it, that's it's. That's good. Yeah, it was pretty good, right? That was yeah. not bad. Um, so pineapple. Oh yeah, yeah. So now we're just like now. Uh, my mom and I have been talking more. Mm-hmm. She, her her opinion is she's a a mix of different social idea. I'm like, yeah, mom, you gotta pick one. Like, we can't be like I'm capitalist and communist and socialist. Yeah. But, but low key, she's just capitalist, and it doesn't make <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me because yeah. she has not benefited one iota mm-hmm. from capitalism. She's benefited from her perseverance and the excess of capital in the United States mm-hmm. because of exploitation abroad, including mm-hmm. Dominican Republic. Right. So it's like, like you know, Ma, you really don't have any reason to like capitalism other than your, the indoctrination you've been fed. Mm-hmm. So it's my exactly. attempt to talk to my mom and um, about um, all the topics that, have, that kind of have the intersection for black people. Like our next episode is going to be on defunding uh, the police. Mm. Nice. I say Fun. abolish. She used to say defund. But then Biden's like, no, the funding. And my mom's like, yeah, I need the funding. It's like, yeah, ma, like, no, come on. No. Like, yeah. so now we have to, I'm going to have to, but my mom's going to read the Communist Manifesto, guys. Wow. It's a big deal. That's crazy. She's going to read the Communist Manifesto. I'm so excited to hear her thoughts about it. That is nice. so incredible. Yeah. I love that. Can't wait to hear it. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, if you guys too. are listening to this, tune in on the Pineapple Podcast. This yeah. is going to be uh, very interesting. I want to hear you guys' takes on it. Um, send us an email. If we survive, (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna be a brutal one. Yeah, definitely. Um, Are we ready to come to a close, or is there something else we forgot? Oh no, I'm ready for more topics. Like, oh no, no, I think we're like we pushed the hour mark. Yeah, we definitely. (laughs) I just really wanted to like you know end with a black story. Yes, real quick. We did, and I'm sorry, like. uh, I feel like I'm asking questions like way after the part I should have asked. Nah, throw out them. I don't know what it be. I'm like going back to work. Yeah. <laughs> so I know I asked you like what advice you would give to people experiencing similar situations, but I also want to ask, I guess, like the continuation of that. Like, what are some things you learned throughout this process and you're currently learning throughout this process of like standing up to this company? So, yeah, what I'm learning is that you can't do this alone. <laughs> that um i'm learning that that you really can't push people until they're ready and sometimes the conditions although you might be ready like i'm ready to overthrow the industry but this is not an individual endeavor um that i think that the conditions will become so because you know capitalism white supremacy need to continue to expand to profit Mm -hmm. so the conditions are going to get worse so i think patience but also um i'm really um optimistic mm. and proud of the way people have been responding mm-hmm. um and standing up definitely uh so i think that i'm 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 learning to to be patient and to also like make sure this process is democratic like i don't want to be out here demanding all these things i want people to chip in their ideas about what accountability looks like and what the industry should look like because like you know we were talking about earlier the single the single great person theory is like mm-hmm. there is no single great person and if right. someone says they are they're lying to you mm. and like, let's look at it like this there was times when i was younger and i was um i guess trying to be rag- radicalized like because you know how they say oh it takes like a village to raise a child mm-hmm. like i've had parents like even my own grandmother like told me no it takes a mother to raise a child that's very singular right you get what i'm saying my mom would say the same thing she, yeah she said actually she said that there you go right see there you but go they could put the whole well that's the thing as black women um it's definitely a thing where they want to take on every like they feel that 
because of their sh- because of our strength. Haha, <laughs> I'm a black woman too. Throw <laughs> myself in there. <laughs> yeah, but, but like it's it's something that I've noticed with other black women too is that they want to carry or they feel the need to carry everybody's everything. You know, um, forget you know whatever it is they have or whatever they're they're going through. It's always like you know, put the family on my back, put my relationship on my back, put my friends' troubles on my back, whatever like that. Mm-hmm. Um. And carry that shit like you know wherever yeah. to wherever it's gonna go. Not not to say that they don't execute; they definitely do. But at what cost? And that's the thing too. I talked to my mom. Is like my mom's like you know I went to work and I raised you. I'm like ma, but like you really didn't get to raise me mm-hmm. because you had to work. And Same. when you came back from work, you were exhausted, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. So like you know I, I I understand you did what you had to do, but I don't understand how you can be excited about the fact that you were exploited like you did double shifts right you know an un, uh, unpaid labor like like you know reproductive labor mm-hmm. is still labor like if mm-hmm. you know we're not getting my mom didn't get paid to raise me but or my mom didn't get paid by the system mm-hmm. yet she produced a worker yeah and this worker is making capitalist money mm-hmm. so it's just paying like taxes paying taxes working for s- shitty directors let's like say the n-word I'm, I'm gonna get you, Sandra. I hope you're listening, Sandra. Yeah, <laughs> you said Sandra. Um, they're just saying. Um, and Sandra just saying in the chat. Um, what happened to Sandra? Because her accounts are lost. Oh yeah. Locked. You can only find her oh. website, and she's not listed on um, siblings. Oh, you got an investigative journalist over here. Yeah, they're going in. No, well, it's <laughs> true. Like, you. I'm not sure what happened between them and uh, uh, her and sibling. Um, I'm guessing she's fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not along on the website or, uh, or maybe they that's what they want us to think oh my yeah. <laughs> for a load administrative leave you yeah. know? no it's a fact so she sent me secret messages um, oh. and I wasn't gonna I'm not taking it because this is this needs to be public like mm-hmm. the damage she, like it's no longer about the n-word to me like mm-hmm. it's actually bigger than that mm-hmm. it's her process throughout the entire thing hiding and hiding from accountability throughout the whole entire thing making excuses lying saying that she apologized to me which she never did Mm -hmm. um that people that are not me have been affected by this that Mm -hmm. she needs to be public and make a public apology i'm still waiting on that um i don't know if i'm gonna get it because like like you mentioned she is off social media Mm -hmm. hoping that this thing blows over maybe moving back to denmark starting (laughs) fresh i don't know (laughs) but like um i'm still waiting for an apology from sandra Insane. Yeah, exactly. Specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, because no. the company responded for her, but um, she. Oh, the company didn't even respond themselves. Oh. They yeah, didn't. Sibling Films, um, the production company, uh, that that had Sandra on the roster, has not made a single statement to me or anybody harmed. Wow. Uh, they have completely. That's they've crazy. locked their comments on Siblings Films. Now, sibling, sibling, sorry, sibling rivalry studios. They're like sister organizations. Okay. Um, Sibling Rivalry Studios does much more than just films and and like mo- mo- moving mo- motion pictures. They also do like I don't know crazy other shit, mm-hmm. like you know interactive museum shit. I have no oh. idea. How, I don't know how the fuck this shit works. Okay. <laughs> These studios are they get their hands in everything. Yeah. But they have put out a statement being like we're yeah the twenty percent black employees mm-hmm. a zero tolerance policy. But I'm like hold on. Did the zero tolerance policy skip me? <laughs> Bec- there you go. Because like y'all skipped me. Yeah. And like exactly. you can't skip this moment. Like literally, you're making these statements because because I want to hold you accountable. Like I literally put you out there, and you're gonna pretend like you're not making these statements for any particular reason other than oh, it just happens to be t- time to care about Negroes. Yeah. yeah it's, it's it's weird. I feel Negro Appreciation Day. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, I, I feel like I, I feel like it goes back to like their playbook because I've seen. I, I wanted to do a little project on this. Yeah, I'm going back to the playbook because I have you steps. You playbook, Jonah. Yes. If, if you're if you're a follower on my Instagram, you'll see like I've posted like a step by step uh plan if you are like in a situation like this this uh company and i've learned that step-by-step plan by watching other people respond to uh being called out being exposed to certain things like racist Mm -hmm. problematic shit it is they'll put like a statement they'll 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 ignore actually confronting it with like for this in this example like daniel um and they will just present this performative bullshit um 
and they'll rebrand some way and they'll rebrand the they'll repackage the situation in a way that will benefit them um and then just move on and like they really sorry not to interrupt i'm just thinking like they they really did like have a meeting and try to find a way to actually make this a profit seeking venture like how can we make this incident into like a way to actually reinvent ourselves yes which is kind of what bothers me too is that like i'm kind of low-key doing the work for them <laughs> like like i'm really like the ben- the things that's that i'm true. asking for might actually end up in them becoming stronger and that's, that's the thing, true. No, that not, is, not, but that's like capitalism and every single like at like facet and like and every situation it's like how like che guevara is like a, a commodity and how like black and brown people's yeah. suffering is a commodity it's just like that's the power of capitalism it's so fucked up and so disgusting its tentacles are everywhere right and not to not, not to bring it back to my communist ideology oh no, fuck it do it but like that's the thing about reform is that when you try to reform capitalism and you scream for reform and not a, a complete overhaul and like destruction of the system you actually help the system better exploit you because mm. if capitalism was left to its own devices workers would be forced to have a revolt when we push for reform we actually strengthen the system in being more efficient like bernie sanders would have just been a more efficient exploiter wow so it's just like and that's the thing is like i saw i feel like i'm helping in and like i don't see that you know it's not over like sibling films i hope you're listening <laughs> there is a team of us i'm not gonna tell you who because we're anonymous except for me because i'm loud i'm a loud mouth <laughs> but we are literally making a team and we're gonna make demands nice. and we're gonna come for you. And it's not because of any vendetta. It's not that. It's that it's, you know, time's up. Like mm-hmm. this 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 whole exploiting black culture, appropriating it for your profit is going to stop at some point. And this might be the beginning of that point. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're a communist out there Hit you, me up. Yes. Uh, at VidFlush. Um, pineapple podcast yeah that's also you're on tiktok and instagram yeah both as vid flesh vid flesh yeah definitely man come on thanks for coming tell us what's yeah. yeah like oh my gosh like i have a struggle just because i i'm not i don't have like really any background in like politics or anything like that and so i always struggle with like trying to verbalize and conceptualize some of the things that i kind of understand so like your videos even like the funny ones and like these skits that are like amazing on the TikTok um, that he has, um, they really do help. And like, I am just like so grateful for you coming to this podcast and like really like sharing so much about your experiences. And like, uh, definitely, I know a lot of people are just going to take so much away from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that about those TikToks because they take a long time. So, <laughs> they're not. They're just 60 second little clips, but like I'm out here putting different shirts on, <laughs> glasses on, you know, <laughs> and like oh, yeah. walking over the room and like yeah, talking definitely. to myself, you know, yeah. playing like three different characters. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yo, like I sw- that's, see, that's what I want to do with the TikTok. It's like I literally am trying to radicalize other people through any means, any media. Like, yeah, it's like my. I mean, we'll see. Oracle bought it up so i don't know if things are gonna change get on reels on instagram all right i liked it better when china owned it (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) but thank you guys for tuning in this has been a few stupid cogs and we hope to hear from you soon yeah